Hello again and welcome to the Fat Feminist Witch Podcast, the show where I do a little ranting, raving, and wand waving. My name is Paige, as always, I am your host, and today I am interviewing Andy Grace again this year uh, from Witch Cabinet. She also writes for Little Red Tarot, and she has a new Magical Boundaries course, Hawthorne Heart. Actually, it's it's the second round of Hawthorne Heart. is starting this weekend for the new moon. So if you're interested in finding out more about that, you can go to witchcabinet.com to sign up. Or listen to the interview here and listen to Andy talk about it. We also talk about living that van life and having to give up on a life you thought you were set for for the rest of your life, having to change your plans. We talk about being an online entrepreneur and also about boundaries, especially when it comes to family members. And um, she recently wrote an incredible letter to her mother that asserts her boundaries and posted some of the parts on Facebook and on her website at Witch Cabinet. So I definitely recommend checking that out. So without further ado, here is Andy Grace talking about Hawthorne Heart. Yeah, so you've been having kind of a wild year. You've been living in your van. Your camper yeah, van. <laughs> I um I live yeah, I used to live on a farm and it was really wonderful and I was in a I was in a relationship that had a lot of beautiful pieces to it. Um, and one of those pieces was learning how to leave when it wasn't working anymore. Yeah. And um, it was very hard and very full of grief. Um, and people, people reactions to my choice to leave really ranged from um, kind of turning away and just kind of neglecting, like not wanting to look at it, yeah. to yeah. a sort of voyeurism of, you know, like just like the watching the car wreck sort of thing, to like actual just like straight up cruelty, like people just being really, really mean. Um, and I, I ended, I lived in a yurt in... On, on an island off the coast of BC and got hypothermia and then lived with my mother, which was a trip and a half. Um, <laughs> and she and I are, we're sort of taking a break right now from, from having a close relationship after that. Yeah. And I actually published on my blog, I published a letter that I, excerpt from a letter that I wrote to my mother. Um, she's very upset that I, that I published it. Um, but in the letter, I actually talk about how doing what, what, doing what I think she would like so that she will be happy and approve of my choices actually holds me back from like living my most authentic life. Um, and I, because I do so much work around boundaries, like my, one of my main projects is my, my boundary class, Hawthorne Heart. Setting boundaries with your family and your parents is like one of the hardest it was kind of the like Olympian version of, of all of the other boundaries that I set this year was to set those boundaries with my mother. And I knew that it would resonate with people if I published pieces of the letter. And I've gotten a bunch of emails from people being like, I read the letter and I cried. The whole- Can I send this letter to my mom? Like, you know, very, um, so I, I, I think, I think she will, I hope she will come around <laughs> at some point. Um, but yeah, yeah, and then I transitioned yeah. to living in my camper, um, and I wrote a piece about it on Little Red Tarot about how much I hated it initially <laughs> because 
people perceive living in a van or in a, like I'm in a camper on the back of an old farm truck. So I can actually stand up in my camper um, and it has like a kitchen and a solar panel and, you know, I've done a lot of work to actually make it basically like a tiny home on wheels. Um, but at first I really hated it for a lot of, like, because I didn't really feel like it was this choice I was making to fucking be Instagram ready or whatever. It was like, <laughs> it was something that, that was really like, I can't live in the place that I grew up. I can't go back to the place where my ex is because... It became quite abusive by the end, and we just—I don't really think it would be okay for either of us to be sharing space. They made it very clear that they don't want to share space with me. Yeah, they yeah. got me fired from a job. They really, really don't want to share space with me. So we, I, you know, it kind of was in a place of being like, "Well, what am I going to do?" And I was like, "Well, I have this house on the back of my truck." And I did a bunch of repairs on it, and I painted it, and I got a solar panel, and now I'm now I'm enjoying it, but it's been quite hard to find places to park. Um, <laughs> yeah, that is hard. That's super hard. Are you still um, are you still in the British Columbia area? Like, are you on the island? No, island? I went to a different province um, mm. recently to go see visit with some friends and. It allowed me to sort of bounce back from all the stuff that's happened and really, really solidify some of the harder boundaries that I needed, like setting this whole year has been me going from essentially like wanting to die. I was so traumatized and so just having in so much grief to setting a lot of boundaries and doing a lot of grieving to now be in a place where I'm like doing way better and feeling way better and some of the biggest, hardest work um, really needed, I needed to be around friends who really saw and supported me, so I went to go be with some close friends, and now I'm going to go, I'm about to go back to BC, I have to drive through the forest fires that are happening there. Um, That's part like of the reason I asked, actually, is because if you're camping, out, or if you're living outside in the camper, be, yeah. be careful with those forest fires, for sure. Yeah, yeah, it's smoky in the province I'm in right now. Yeah, my and, um, and, my brother lives in Alberta, and he said it, it's smoky and raining ash there. So, yeah, and I've lived, um, I lived in a community that had forest fires um, a couple of years ago. I wrote a poem about it, so I have some some awareness of how to how to navigate that. But it is it is an inter- it's a very interesting time to be <laughs> living in a living in my car. Yeah, and I think. Yeah, my plan at this point is to go out to the coast, um, and then I'm going to launch another round of Hawthorne Hearts in the fall, um, and then I think I might go to Costa Rica. There you <laughs> because go. I was, I was farming, and farming is very like, I'm here forever, I'm not going anywhere, and now I have this mobile home on the back of it. My, my partner is a cancer, yeah. and I'm a Sag many times over it. He also actually has loads of sad in his chart, but he just jokes about how we have this like mobile cancer sad yeah. house, it's like super, <laughs> super nest that we've put all this work into making it be very nesty, but it moves very, it's very nimble moving from place to place. So we think, yeah, we think we're going to go, once the puppies are, are able to go to their new homes, we're going to, we're going to go spend some time on the beach. And then come back and I think I want to start farming again, but I'm kind of giving myself some time before I jump into that because 
that is like the most deeply profound committed relationship you can have i think to be to be farming and gardening and growing all your own food yeah yeah living on the land is a big commitment and it's one that you shouldn't like enter into lightly it's almost like getting married like you you take Mm -hmm. responsibility for how the land does and the land kind of takes responsibility for you and you take Mm -hmm. responsibility for how well it takes care of you it's it's not something Mm -hmm. you can just decide you don't really love in a couple of months it's hard Yeah, and in a way in a way i feel really grateful that um, I mean, it is my absolute most favorite thing to live in a place where I can swim in the water and drink the water and eat food from the place and gather medicine from the place where I live. Like, that is my absolute most heartful, like, yeah. cannot imagine a happier way to be. And it's, very, it's a deeply consuming relationship where I feel really grateful like my business originally was I, I sold herbal medicine, which I love, love, love. But I was working more than full time for less than minimum wage. And now I'm really shifting towards more. My business is completely digital. I actually just stopped doing tarot card readings and um, herbal consultations. Not because I don't love the work, but because of the burnout that I've had this past year I've been like, okay, I really... And also, I'm living in an off-grid van where I, I have inconsistent yeah. internet access, right? So I'm now shifting towards more more passive income, and oh my God, it's so nice. <laughs> yeah, it's doing really a little really bit more nice. digital work is, is kind of nice. I know I, I recently started a group because I... to Like, through Patreon, because I didn't like you know, bringing in money. And it's so nice to, it's so nice not to have to ship so much stuff out and like do so much like physical yeah. and like digital work just to get paid less than minimum wage and totally. like not be sure I'm not making money at all. And this way, like in a group, I get to communicate with other people. And I'm sure in Hawthorne Heart, that's really great because you, you get to communicate with other people and like you learn things while you're making money. So it's always feeling worthwhile. Yeah, Hawthorne Heart is so. Yeah, I mean, I can explain a bit about what it is, which is that it's an it's an it's a twelve week online course about boundaries, um, and I've taught it a bunch of different times in a bunch of different ways. This is the longest offering that I've made of it so far, and um, I think the flow of it is the best of any. I mean, hopefully each time it gets better, right? Yeah. Um, but what's neat about Hawthorne Heart is that you can. So it's a, it's a class where you're learning practical boundary skills, but also you're learning um, magical boundaries, like protection magic. And I did a survey of the folks who follow my work recently, and I was asking what what projects they wanted to see me do. And I was I also had taught a workshop called Body Poetic, which is using... Can you hear the puppies? Yeah, I can hear them. <laughs> <laughs> Little puppies back there. I want to pet them all. Yeah, I know. I know. It's the puppy. The puppy pile is a very, it's an inspiring thing to watch. I want to be in there. But, um, so yeah, I did this survey where I I got a hundred responses and I was asking, you know, what works out did folks want to see me offer? And I was really surprised. I put Body Poetic in there, which is my workshop wherein I teach people the skills that I've learned from other folks and have developed myself to use creative practice as a means of healing trauma yeah for me i do that mostly through writing um (laughs) they're they're supportive of this idea (laughs) um but i think you could use the same principles 
food, for art, dance, music, whatever your creative practices. Yeah. Um, and there was an equal number of people who wanted to see me offer Hawthorne Heart as they wanted to see me offer Body Poetic. So I combined them into, I put some of, I'm putting some of the creative prompts into Hawthorne Heart. Oh, so that's you, really exciting. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So folks are going to get to do, like, for example, that letter that I wrote to my mother, that's actually one of the prompts is in the section where we talk about, like, family and intergenerational ancestral trauma. Yeah. The creative prompt is to write a letter to a family member. And that family member could be dead or alive. You don't have to actually send them the letter. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but it is it is amazing how, like, you know, when I publish this letter, um, I'm getting some really amazing responses from people. Um, and I think that using... I mean, it's interesting to be teaching a class about, about boundaries where... I'm, I'm doing like a business, a witch business marketing class right now, which is amazing. It's, it's called Thrill. It's offered by Carolyn Elliott, who I love. She's a great teacher. Oh, I love um, her website. Yeah. Yeah, her stuff is great. She's definitely um, a different, she takes a bit of a different angle in terms of, she's a lot less political yeah. than some of the other teachers that I resonate with, but I find that a lo- there's, like, there's a very anti-patriarchy streak to lots of the lots of her work and lots of her students work but yeah there's lots of badass there's lots of uh badass witchcraft on her website and like badass witches that write for her even if it's not always very political it's still like fuels that same kind of like place inside you it's it's still that same kind of motivation yeah totally and i find i've actually found it like kind of nice to have a teacher who's not super grounded in the nto perspective and it's not because I don't I mean obviously I super value anti-oppression but I also feel like um there are ways that censorship plays into those values even if we don't want to like I mean I think it's coming out more and more and more with like articles about excommunication and sort of the church of social justice all this kind of stuff yeah um and it's nice in a way to learn from a teacher who I don't think feels as bound by the pressures of those ideas to see because some she says things sometimes where I'm just like whoa I would never say that but then it's I feel like I enjoy like 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 even if I don't agree necessarily with what she said um I haven't necessarily noticed her say something that I'm like that's like absolutely really harmful or whatever so it's interesting to watch her navigate um not coming from such a political perspective, but then so many of her students really are. Like I've noticed yeah. being in her Facebook group that I'll post things and people will be like, you know, oh, this is culturally appropriative or whatever. I won't necessarily post something that's culturally appropriate, but other people <laughs> in the group will post things yeah. and watch their watch them respond with this really great political analysis. So I really love her work and I think that um, like I include some of her shadow integration stuff in my course get, get obviously giving credit to her for that so the the class touches on like touches on loads of things it touches on magic touches on abuse there's a lesson in this round about digestion and the relationship between boundaries and how it affects our digestive system um lots of creative prompts and i think yeah in the last year it's been interesting because i really i really have put those <laughs> those principles and practices to work <laughs> in my life and 
I don't think I would have been able to do it the same way if I was farming. Yeah. Um, because what happened was is that I went through a trauma of leaving this relationship and losing the relationship that I had with this baby who was about to come into the world. Um, and I was so broken and so wrecked and I was getting emails from people saying, do you want to read my cards? Do you want to this? Do you want that? And I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, like, I can't do this. Like I can't, I can't go longer than 20 minutes without crying and I can't unload that onto my clients. So, yeah. and I had a couple of passive income things um, on my website at that time. And I really started to have deeper and deeper gratitude for them. And now, you know, it's amazing to, most nights I go to sleep and I wake up and I've made money in my sleep. That's which awesome. Is, which is amazing. Like, it's not, and I, at first I was like, oh my God, am I becoming a capitalist? Like, did I feel crazy about this? <laughs> I've had this exact convo with myself. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I think what I, the conclusion I have come to about it is that I believe, so first of all, all of my projects donate money to either individuals, mostly all um, BIPOC folks, yeah. and generally with some kind of a queer or gendered slant. So hot on heart this round, the money is being donated to a community database for the missing and murdered Indigenous women. Um, all of my projects donate, by generate money for community, and I also, like, I have debt that I need to pay off, and I have, I'm not in a place of having, I've really been having to work through what my concept of financial abundance is, because I think about how, you know, the money that I earn, a lot of it, it gets donated, both through, like, the official streams of whatever the project donates to, but also, like, giving money to community groups, and I'm also, I think it's okay for me to be I've had to really give myself permission to be like, it's okay that I make money doing what I love. Yeah. It's okay yeah. that I have a schedule where I can get up when I want and sleep when I want. And I, I struggle with insomnia so I can work at night and schedule my posts at, at, at like other times when other people will see them, you know, like it allows me to, um, it allows me to meet my needs in a way that I have never been able to do before. And I think I create something of value to other people because I don't think people would be signing up and be giving me money. They choose to do that, right? No one's, yep. no one's forcing yep. them to participate in my offerings, right? So I've had to really work through, I've had to really work through a lot of that and do things like, it's okay for me to make money doing what I love. Yeah, it's uh, intense how easy it is for us to like feel guilty for <laughs> for working and making money and supporting ourselves because money is just so mm-hmm. it's such a frustrating concept it's so it mm-hmm. simultaneously like helps us live and creates most of the political problems we have and it's hard to especially as yeah. like a spiritual person give yourself permission to like make money <laughs> oh, I've and had to, to just I've, like I've keep money really and spend money being okay with that where like I my title for myself at my business is I call myself the Empress Hermit Witch yeah, And what I love about that is that when I think about the Empress in tarot, it's like the Empress in a lot of ways is like sort of the archetypal mother or nurturer. But yeah. I also like secretly, the like secret wink to myself is like, oh, I'm building this empire on the internet. <laughs> you know? and, it's like, and, I've, and I've really had to learn to just have, a, like not take myself so seriously and be able to be like, I'm allowed, I'm allowed to 
like be making money doing what I love and have a sense of financial security. And I need to trust myself that I will do good things with that money. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to become like this, like overbearing one percenter or something, you know, (laughs) like I'm not, I am going to, I'm going to feed myself and take care of my dog and buy gifts for my friends and give money to community and make my van function better. (laughs) And I'm going to grow food and I'm going to make medicine and I'm going to do indigenous solidarity and I'm going to, I'm going to find a way to live a good life where I give back and the money can allow me to do that. And, and one of the things that I've noticed is that it creates two different reactions in people. Like one reaction is people being like, why are you asking me for money for this? And <laughs> me being like, well, because I need to eat. <laughs> I need, I to, need to literally loans. survive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I need to eat. I need to pay my student loans so that my, my van, my truck doesn't get taken away from me to reach my house. You know, like I need to meet my basic needs. But also, the other reaction that I get is people really loving it and being, like, really wanting to give me money because they want my work to succeed and they want people doing work similar to my work to succeed because when we are doing the work that we love, you know, what whatever capacity we can, and if we're monetizing it and if we're not having to work in jobs that we hate we are able to to take care of ourselves in a different way and be more authentic and have you read the fifth sacred thing i'm sorry what was that have you read the fifth sacred thing or city of refuge by starhawk uh no actually i haven't her her perspective of like what the economy would look like is very close to what i envision like what i would love an economy to look like which is essentially like the short sort of version of it is that there's, like, minimum, like, everybody has to do certain tasks, you know, like, there's, like, people need to build the gardens, and they need to take care of babies, and they need to do, you know, whatever the kind of basic tasks are to keep the, to <laughs> yeah. keep the society functioning, but then they also are given, they also kind of get to choose a path of whatever it is that they do, so they can be artists, and they can, and they actually get these, like, tokens, which disappear after six months, and they have to be used to go out and eat food or participate in the arts and no one pays for housing because everybody gets housing no one pays for like sort of the basic things they need to meet their needs and nobody can save so you you don't actually and the idea is that it encourages everybody to everyone's needs are met and everyone is encouraged to create and yeah. i think yeah. i think that magical small business or whatever types of small business like really can function to create some of the beginnings of those infrastructures and as much as I do identify as an anarchist in lots of ways I feel like it's okay to it's okay to run a business it's okay to make money and set my own schedule like that does give me a a deeper kind of freedom that I've never had before and and I do good things with that freedom I create good things that have value for for the people who follow my work and and I love doing it and I think it shows in my work yeah, I think that's what's important to remember when you're doing stuff like this. Like I, I recently I recently had to talk live about this stuff and I was like, you know, I was talking about how I quit my job to do this and because I, I just can't, I'm struggling to go back to working and dealing with a regular work environment where I'm making money for someone else who I probably don't even think I really want to support. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm hawking stuff I don't like and it's just the kind of person that I am doing what I do now is a better person than I was when I was working at these other jobs. Like I'm more able now to be a better person, to be more present and to cause more 
like real change in the world than I ever was before. And I have less mm-hmm. money to do that, but I feel like I'm just more spiritually and emotionally um, capable of actually going out and doing that because I'm not yeah. worn out from everything else that I have to do. It really is like, it's just totally different. I have a totally different way of life now than I did before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate that. And it's interesting because I've talked to a lot of folks where a lot of people had said to me, you know, that I have to acknowledge my privilege, which I do, yeah. you know, I do need to acknowledge that I have privilege in, in that, but I, and, and I've made choices where I have, because, you know, within my family structure of privilege, security is huge, Yeah, you know, and, and I have chosen to make some sacrifices around security to have a different level of freedom. And I'm learning how to build that security myself. And I remember I did a workshop once with Tim Kitchen Milan about, um, about like ethical small business and she was talking about how the biggest growing like area of entrepreneurs is actually black women I believe and so, that and so it's and the reason for that is that they're like within a lot of their communities to do work that they love that supports them where they make money to be able to support the people that they love like a lot of those jobs just like don't exist and so they're creating them for themselves and so I think that it's not just I, I think that it is true that there are, you know, douchey sort of hyper-privileged trust fund entrepreneurs. Those <laughs> people do exist. And there's also people who really are, like, for me, it's that I'm a writer, right? Like, that's what I love to do. I love to write, and I love to make medicine, and I love to grow and cook food. And I've found, and, and I'm a witch, and I've found ways to monetize all of those things. And it gives me a sense of freedom that I didn't have before. And because I get paid to do what I love, I have more time and capacity to produce things that are of value to the community. Like the other project that I'm working on, One Top, One Heart, is done. Um, I'm going to launch another zine. Because um, one of the things that I do is I produce digital zines. And, um, I'm excited for another zine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the new zine, the first two that I made, there's there's three on my website. There's my personal poetry book. There's the We Believe You, Femmes Surviving Toxic Masculinity, which is just epic. It's, like, very long. It has many, <laughs> many submissions. The type font was, I think, way too small looking back on it now. I try to make the font of my things readable on a phone now. Yeah. But it's, like, a size 13 font, and it's, like, 126 pages. It's, like, a book, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have it on my phone, but I do read it on my phone. And my phone screen yeah. is like cracked and stuff, and I can still read it on my phone. So it is a little bit small, but it's totally readable on the phone. So yeah. for those of you who are listening, you can totally get it on your phone and read it. I I, yeah. I honestly open it up and, and look through it and look through some of the stuff that I remember is mm-hmm. in there every time I need it. It's great. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, I heard that from multiple folks. Yeah. And the, the next one that I made was called Soother. Um, which didn't really take off in quite the same way as we believe you did. And I think it's because it was more, I think one, it was because I didn't promote it as well as I could have. Um, cause I had a lot of stuff going on, but I think it was also just like, it was a more tender, to be honest with you. I actually think, I wouldn't say that Suter is better, but Suter is more like, it is a really embodied experience to read it in like a deep, sort of root chakra kind of way like it is like 
because it's it's about grieving family and fertility. So there's stories about abortion. Um, there's a story that I wrote in it called Birth Chart, where I took three different aspects from my birth chart and I wrote I wrote a part, pieces of my the story of my breakup um, and compared them to aspects in my birth chart. Um, there's like astrological things, like an astrological kind of list of how to how to grieve, which is a really beautiful piece. The whole thing is just like a lot of people have said to me that yeah. um, they started to read it and they're like, I can't even. They're like, most of the time they get less than five pieces through and they just start bawling and they just can't. <laughs> it's so a little too bones. intense, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's a beautiful, it's a very moving collection. They both are. I think We Believe You is a little more like angry fish in the air, kind of fucked the patriarchy. They're like, no. Oh! <laughs> And Soother is just like, all right, let's talk about the, like, deep grief that... Because people don't want to talk about the grief that they have around um, around fertility. Yeah. And especially in queer circles, it's, it's, like, very... I know that for me, like, when I lost this relationship with this baby, um, I remember talking to my counselor about it, and she was like, you know that everything you're describing is exactly, like, it's describing a miscarriage. She's like, you're not having the physical loss, but yeah. all the other things that you're describing are exactly like that. And it's very difficult to, it's difficult to grieve a physical miscarriage as a straight woman. Yeah. Wherein their most resources exist. But if you're a non-gestational queer parent grieving what is a, essentially a miscarriage to a kid who is alive, yeah. but who you don't have a relationship with in the way that you would like, there is no, you can't Google that. So, you know, it doesn't exist, right? Yeah. 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 So, that's not real. What are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so that's what Soother is. And then the next one that I'm making, I think I'm going to call it Scorpio Rising. Nice. Um, because I recently, I have a, I, my Venus is in Scorpio and my, my partner teases me all the time. about, And I'm, I'm like, I don't understand what this means to be a Scorpio, but I know that one of the qualities of Scorpios is this, like, incredible capacity to be regenerative. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, in the survey that I did, I, I made a bunch of suggestions of what theme topics, and this topic won by, like, a massive landslide, which was that people wanted to coordinate a zine about how to heal after leaving an abusive relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's really funny because my work so often reflects, like, it's interesting because they say, you know, like, if you're doing kind of, like, helping work, that you really need to not, like, use your clients or whatever to, like, therapize yourself, which I totally get because that can lead to, like, a weird codependent relationship where, it's, yeah. you know, it's not appropriate. But I will definitely say that for sure, like, my work, I write about, like, my deepest, darkest, most real brutal trauma like I published a letter I wrote to my mother yeah. <laughs> right? and, I'm yeah. very, and this is exactly like this is exactly what's been happening to me over the last years that I left a relationship that was very tumultuous and very painful and I've had a lot of moments of just feeling like a zombie person and feeling like I literally died and watching some of the other people in my community leaving abusive relationships and just feeling like how do you live after this and what's your secret? 
yeah you know like and i and and i think that there's you know a lot of pieces in that in terms of like people experiencing ptsd people experiencing suicidality people feeling like they have to move to a completely brand new place like people losing their friends um another really common one is people's friends dating their abusive exes you know like these are that's so these are hard. all things that are so common, and we are all, you know, so I want to produce a zine wherein we can talk about this stuff being real, and also talk about the strategies for how, how you get through that to the other side. And one of the things I'm, ex- I mean, I'm excited about it personally, because I, I love coordinating zines, but I'm also, I feel excited about it, because information that I am like also craving right yeah like, most of the introductions to my zines are like I made this because I wanted to read it <laughs> that's uh that's that's basically my motivation behind everything I do at this point <laughs> like if I'm reviewing yeah. a book it's because I wanted to read the book if I'm talking about something in a group it's because I wanted to learn about that and this gave me a reason <laughs> yeah 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 you know and I think I think one of the things about um because I tend to talk about the, like, really vulnerable trauma stuff, it's like, I think people can sometimes will breathe a sigh of relief to be like, oh, yeah, so good to be able to talk about this. Like, I know it's like, publishing the letter to my mom. It's interesting because a lot of people, some people felt that I was, um, like, I know my mom felt it was, like, unfair for me to publish it. Though I removed all the sort of personal details about her like it's really more the letter is mostly about me feeling like my family doesn't know how to love me because I'm a queer person and I don't fit their mold and how I want them to love me but I need to actually learn how to love myself like that's what the letter is about yeah and so she I mean it's interesting because what I notice is that intergenerationally like a lot of the people in my generation like I'm about to hit my Saturn return so I'm like turning 29 at the end of this year and I think a lot of us are like we need to talk about this and then we look at like to our parents and also like interculturally it's different too right like I mean obviously someone who comes from like an immigrant family um more recently than my family my family is more of a settler is a settler family who's been here for generations um but if you've come here more recently like you might have different you're going to have different family values from my white settler family, right, in terms of privacy. But yeah, privacy yeah. is something that runs through maintaining families cross-culturally, right? And it's interesting because I know that people like that post because it made them breathe a sigh of relief to be able to be like, wow, someone else also feels this. Yeah. Someone yeah. else can talk about this. And it's interesting, like, I think all of my work is like that, right? All of my work is like, how do we talk about the most vulnerable stuff yeah. as a group? <laughs> that stuff really matters to people, because sometimes it's really hard to say out loud, but seeing someone else talk about it, knowing that someone else feels the same way you do, and that they can feel comfortable saying it out loud, it can make all mm-hmm. the difference in the world to someone else. Like, I, I loved your, your letter to your mother, or what was in there of it, uh, especially because yesterday was my mother's birthday. <laughs> <laughs> and when I, I drew a card earlier in the week to tell me about, you know, every day in the week, the day the card I pulled for her birthday was the Queen of Swords. And I'm like, yeah, of course it is. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. when I read that, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I needed this today. Thank you for that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And I mean, it's interesting because I I really love my mom and have at times 
my mom has been my best friend and my greatest ally. And we, my mom is an Aries with a Virgo moon and I'm a triple fire sign. I'm like Sag, Leo Sag. <laughs> so we either get along like a house on fire or we don't at all. <laughs> Very, like, you know, and, and it's interesting because I think, you know, my mom craves privacy and I actually crave the, I crave openness and transparency and talking about stuff. Yeah. And I think that one of the things that I find really challenging within my own family and even within my own friend group is that I think because we live in this, like I'm a wordy person. I very rarely write something that is under 1,200 words. <laughs> it's typically 2,000 to, the original letter I wrote to my mom was 5,500 words. <laughs> long letter and the thing is is when you actually read the post the posted version it's been it's it's excerpts and it's been amended to be a bit more sort of poetic in terms of being like postable and the thing is I think when you read it I think if you actually slow down enough to absorb what I'm saying you can see that I'm coming from a very vulnerable place of naming like you don't know how to love me in the way that I need that's not your fault. Let's just get real about that. I need to learn how to love myself. I need to learn how to take care of myself. And I want to come back to this relationship being capable of taking care of you. And I can't do that right now. And I need to go take care of myself. I don't actually think there's anything in there. Like, I don't act, like, it's interesting because when I'm watching people being triggered by it, I'm just like, I always, I'm wondering, I'm like, what is it that, about this that is triggering for you? Yeah. You know, like, and my, my, one of my best friends said to me, my best friend was like, well, most likely by the time you publish something like that, you've processed it enough that if someone is upset, it's not really going to bother you because you've processed it. And on the one hand, that's true. There's one part of me that's like, oh, people are mad about it. It's controversial. Great. I'm just going to, that means more people will share it and talk about it. And then there's like the inner child part of me that is like, oh, God, my mom is mad. Yeah. Why don't you like my thing I made? <laughs> Oh, yeah, it says that in the post. It says, like, in many ways, I'm still the little kid in the living room begging you to watch me dance. I want you to, I want you to see me, and I want you to love what, I, what you see. Yeah. You know, yeah. like, and that's very true. Of course, I want my, of course I want my family to love me. And I've realized in the last little while that wanting them to approve of me is really never going to work because I'm never actually going to be able to do what they want, both because... We live in a different time. Yeah. Like, you know, my dad is a baby boomer and my mom is a generation after that. And I'm a, like, millennial, right? Like, we have different, <laughs> we're intergenerationally on a different tip, right? Yeah. But also, yeah. I just am not, I want to live a life that is authentic and I have, I think it's hard for my family to see this, but I've held myself back from doing that in some ways to try to, to try to maintain certain types of good flow in my relationships with them and it doesn't work we still fight because I'm not doing either thing enough I'm not being myself enough for me to be happy and I'm not doing what they want enough for them to be happy and so I've decided to choose myself and I've kind of gotten to a point of being like you know what maybe in a couple of years we'll get to a place where maybe they won't like me but I think that they'll respect me yeah and I yeah. will like myself and that's enough that's yeah. got to be that's got to be enough. It's just going to have to be. <laughs> yeah. They agree. Yeah. It's just going to have to be. Oh, hi, puppies. <laughs> hi, puppies. Oh, my. So cute. 
<laughs> Sorry, I hear animals and I get distracted. I'm, I'm even looking at birds right now outside. <laughs> no, no, I know. I, I leaned closer to them so that you could hear their little, 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 little squeaks. All right, well, Hawthorne Heart, it's, uh, you're starting on the new moon coming up really yeah. soon. Uh, yeah. So the last day to sign up is, you know, late into Saturday the 22nd, as long as you want to get started at the right time. Yeah, and if folks wanted to start later, like, I'm okay with that. It's really just, I don't necessarily feel you'd have... The full experience. You wouldn't have the flow, like, the whole... Like, I could just put Hawthorne Heart up as a passive income thing and be like, here, sign up for this, you get one email a week, and, and I don't do that because I think participation with the group, yeah, um, like, is valuable, and I also, at the end of this one, there's actually going to be um, a group ritual. Cool. And I'm contemplating seeing if folks want to submit the work that they've done throughout the course to produce a zine. So Very there's cool. some group timing pieces that, but I mean, that's not until the end of the 12 weeks, right? So I think starting week one a little bit late would probably be okay. And again, it's up to, like, I think people are going to be the bosses of their own experience. So if you want to get the emails <laughs> a little late, that's cool. And we don't need to have scarcity around it because I do intend to launch another round probably in the fall, I think. Yeah. So it, it will come around <laughs> again. Excellent. And what about the next zine? Do you have any idea when that's going to, when you're getting started on that? Yeah. So my plan right now, and I will say that uh, I have learned that it's good to be flexible with plans changing. And I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to learn something that I, I write a lot for Little Red Carol and the person who founded Little Red Carol, her name is Beth Maiden. I love her. I She's like, great. I so deeply love and adore Beth, both her work and her as a person. Like she is just, I love her very, very much. <laughs> she, um, She's just wonderful. Like, frequently I get emails from her, and I'm just like, oh. Like, I just feel better about the world after yeah. talking to Beth. Like, she's, just, she's, she's so great. But he, I did a, I did a thing with her at the very beginning of launching my business where I kind of got her to look at my website and got her to give me advice. And one of the things that she said was, she, she's like, you need to learn to under-promise and over-deliver. Because as a... <laughs> fire sign i'm super over promise under deliver like that's i need i'm learning not to do that yep um so i will say this is my plan right now we will see how it actually unfolds in the life of real things <laughs> um but my plan right now is to finish all of finish this launch of hawthorne heart which i've really really poured a lot of effort into launching it this time around i've produced quite a bit of writing um and then once that's done I'm going to be shifting into um, the two projects that I want to do in between um, the next round of Hawthorne Heart. One is that I want to create um, some kind of subscription service through my business wherein I get monthly reliable income. So I'm going to put a survey out. I'm contemplating like I might do like a separate email thread or like a private blog post or like a private podcast or like something that folks get extra value for yeah um, and then so i'm going to be putting out a survey for that at some point soon and then the other thing that i'm going to be doing is launching the zine so i'm just, I, pr I think 
I might launch the zine first because there's a period of time where the zine is actually passive. Yeah. Um, where people, there's like a chunk of time where people are just writing. So I think it will be coming out in the next, the call will be coming out in the next little bit. And I think it will be, I mean, Soother, I finished Soother in about a month, a month or six weeks. We believe you took about seven months because I was just, my life was just a total disaster <laughs> um, at the time. That was a hard um, time. <laughs> yeah, but also, I mean, the zoom is better as a result. You know, yeah, like it, it just turned out amazing. It's very raw and very real, and the piece that I wrote, I could not have written that piece if I had finished it in the first month. So I feel okay with it, but it took a while. <laughs> it took a long time. Um... But yeah, so sometime in the next in the next little bit, I will be launching both of those things in another round of Fossil Heart. And then my longer term goal is to launch a course um, similar to Thrill, but from my own angle, um, because you know Carolyn Elliott, she she does not have an LGBTQ focus in her niche. Yeah. Um, whereas I definitely have, like, I focus a lot on, like, working with queer folks and working with sex workers and working with them, so that's definitely more, and people who have sort of radical anti-politics. So I want to do a, a, like, witch business course. For people and, with a more uh, political and queer leaning. Yeah. That's a totally. good idea. I think that's a really good idea. Yeah, I'm, I'm, t- I'm playing with the idea of calling it Witch Better Have My Money. <laughs> And then I'm like, oh, but people might say that I'm not allowed to use a, like, Rihanna song title. <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh, but it's such a good name, you know? Yeah. It's like, I... okay, well, how can I balance this? Like, maybe I'll give a portion of the profits to Black Lives Matter. Or, <laughs> I found I don't a, wanna, I actually I don't found a gift like, that oh, said that one time. It because, like, it's, con- it's, it's confusing to figure out how do we, like, acknowledge, as white people, how do we, like, validate and acknowledge, like, Black genius without... Yeah appropriate you know i think you'd be okay <laughs> it's such a good i think it's too good to pass up i just right? I, it's, it's such so a good great. title it's so great <laughs> and honestly so is rihanna so i <laughs> i can't see anyone really having that much of an issue with it i think it would be all right and it would be awesome <laughs> yeah yeah so those are those are sort of what's coming up for me in the next little bit but the most immediate thing is yeah hawthorne heart river which is starting the first lessons coming out this weekend. Um, and folks can go on my Facebook page, which is Witch Cabinet Cauldron for Badass Femme Magic on Facebook. And then my website is www.witchcabinet.com. And when you go on the website, there's a pop-up where you can actually get the first 26 pages or a 26-page preview of Hawthorne Heart. It's a preview is mostly talking about... Um, what I think makes an effective boundary. Yeah, um, I yeah. actually, I have it open on my computer right now. <laughs> yeah, so you can get that preview for free if you join my email list. And the email list will give, well, you'll get all the updates on on the zines and all the things that I'm doing. Yeah, I've been, getting, I've been getting all your updates in my email. And I actually read them in my email. Most things I don't like to read in my email, but your emails are really good. <laughs> They're actually Thank like you. they're actually like readable on all my devices. So yeah, I've been reading all of your email updates. They're great. Thank you. Yeah, I really I really try to I mean, it's 
funny because it's like, yes, I, I am a writer and I'm, you know, all these things, but I'm also like, I'm a huge, like, online small business nerd. So I'm constantly thinking about that stuff, you know, it's like, how was email land? Like, looking at my stats all the time. I love that stuff. Yeah, I know. I, uh, I, I love it. I maintain a Pinterest board that shows my obsession. <laughs> I look up, I look up internet marketing and and social media and how all that stuff works every day. And sometimes I wish I talked about that, but I think there's enough blogs out there. I think you have to love that stuff yeah. to be successful at. And and the thing is, is like, and I'll let you go because I know we both can talk forever. But <laughs> it's like, I think one of the ways I heard it explained to me once, I think it was Leonie Dawson actually, who I like watched a, a talk of hers where she said that. Good marketing is a form of empathy, wherein you're able to empathize with your audience and be like, what do you need? What are your problems? What are the things that I can offer that are, what will be a value to you? And I also, I really love marketing for hippies, which is, it's, that's um, the person who does that. His name is Tad Hargrave. He is great. And he talks about how he used to be very kind of anti-capitalist in a like, let's break windows and blow stuff up, which... I'm super down with in lots of ways. And his perspective is that, you know, one of the ways that we can shift how capitalism functions is to, is to support and create small business that meets our needs and allows us to have abundance. And I think that that's different from saying like, Oh, small business is like good capitalism or whatever. Like to me, I feel like I'm living my life in a way where when stuff really starts collapsing which i mean the province that i grew up in is on fire right now like it's all it's actively happening is that i'm living in a way where i have created a network and i've created a way to to support myself and take care of myself that supports and takes care takes care of other people yeah and and i actually believe that that is anti-capitalist even if i'm like i would love to live in a scenario where i didn't need money to survive and that's just not the case (laughs) So for now, I'm going to I'm going to make money and I'm going to do something of value while I do it. Yeah, it's like it's like it's socially sustainable work. You know what I mean? It doesn't mm-hmm. just it doesn't just burn out all parties involved and leave you with, you know, one little tiny thing. It's something that gives back and continues to grow and transform and provide. And it's 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 a different kind of work. It's definitely it definitely feels like the opposite of capitalism. Yeah. And I think everyone is going to come to see it in whatever ways they want to see it. And yeah. I think that it's like, you know what? I need money to survive. <laughs> and the reality is that my life is better and easier when I have more money than like just scraping by. Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to let myself have that and celebrate that and be, and, and I, and, and I like, the truth is that I like succeeding and have my business succeed and I think other people like that too. And I want to help support other people to figure out how to do that because I think it's possible to live a better, fuller, more creative life when you're doing work that you feel aligned with. And I think it is totally okay to make bank while you do it. (laughs) Especially especially if the money that you make goes to support more people than just you. That's right. That's right. That's what I've been saying. Yeah. No, I totally agree with that. I totally agree with that. 
And like, <laughs> no one will ever convince me that I'm doing the same thing now than I was when I was working at a gas station or whatever. You know, like you, you can't convince yeah. me of that. It feels totally different. And like, it gives back to society in a totally different way. Yeah. And you know what? And I, and I think we all like, I super don't ever want to like from my own words and this isn't a response to what you said but I think I don't ever want to like I don't want to shame working class folks and I think we have to everybody there's work that needs to be done that no one wants to do absolutely oh my god and it's like how do we how do we find ways to do what we love and keep things functioning and like how do we find again like I really would highly suggest reading the Fifth Sacred Thing or City of Refuge because Garhawk's idea about how to run an economy not in a capitalist system is like, it's great. I really, really love yeah, I'm, that. I'm actually really going to check it out. I'm reading a book about, uh, about the fairy tradition right now and it talks a lot about reclaiming. Um, mm-hmm. And I've been like, every time it mentions something about, about reclaiming and Starhawk, I'm like, this seems like something I absolutely need to read more about. I yes, need Starhawk to read more. Great. I need to read this girl's books. I need to figure this out. Yeah. Yeah. Starhawk is great. And and Starhawk is great because she has, like, you can read, she has books where she has written about, like, how to do magic. She has a book that she wrote about facilitation, which I love for, um, Oh, I can't remember the name of what it is. The Empowerment Manual, that's what it's called. Yeah. And then she also has fiction, like epic, rich, revolution fiction books. Yeah. Like, she's great. She's she's a really interesting person, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, totally, totally. Thanks. Yeah, it's good. I'm feeling, I'm slowly getting towards my goal. I feel like it's going (laughs) to, I feel like it's going to hit it. I'm excited. I'm excited for you. (laughs) all right well i will talk to you later good luck this weekend and enjoy the new moon yeah thanks you too bye bye thank you so much for tuning into the fat feminist witch podcast and thank you to andy for coming on the show again and talking to her to us about all of her upcoming projects including hawthorne heart if you're interested in learning more about andy and about hawthorne heart and what she does you can go to witchcabinet.com you can also go to facebook.com slash witchcabinet to find her there uh, in like her page, she posts updates about her work. She posts links to her other courses, including Hawthorne Heart, to her zines. She puts out calls for submissions for the zines that are upcoming. So follow her on Facebook there. And if you are a writer or an artist or you like to contribute to zines or you're thinking about it, I highly recommend getting in touch with Andy and finding out when her next project will be taking submissions and seeing if you can share your thoughts and your feelings with the witchy and femme community at large. As someone who's been doing it for about two years now, I can highly recommend it. (laughs) I love sharing what's going on and sharing my feelings with you guys. It, It really makes me feel better about everything that I feel and it lets me know that I'm not alone out there so I recommend trying it out a few updates on me you should go go to my Facebook page facebook.com slash the fat feminist witch on Fridays at noon I do a live video show and I usually have kind of a ridiculous hair outfit going on (laughs) and I take uh 
Next week, I am doing Ask a Fat Feminist Witch, and I am answering your questions live on camera. So send in your questions at fatfeministwitch at gmail.com or through Facebook or Twitter or any other social network, and I will find it, and I will answer your questions live on the air. Like I said, if you have any questions for Andy, contact her at witchcabinet.com. And thank you again for listening and for everyone for showing up today. I will have a new episode for you next week. It's actually going to be um, a, a talk that I gave that was recorded live at a local feminist festival recently so that'll be coming your way next week thank you so much for tuning into the fat feminist witch podcast i hope you all have a wonderful weekend and a very magical and cleansing new moon